So we've been in a, a sermon series, and the overarching theory, the, the theme has been love. Um, and we've been looking at how the Lord loves so that we can replicate and love one another, especially coming out of the Just Church series that we did in the fall, where we were looking at inadequate expressions of love. We had looked at things that break the Lord's heart that are very relevant in today's culture. We looked at racism. We looked at discrimination. We looked at orphans. And we looked at inaccurate, inappropriate views towards immigrants in our community. And we came to the conclusion that we need to love one another. <laughs> we are needing a radical expression and encounter with love. So that's, that's what our sermon series is about. Um, we've talked about humility, love, um, Last week, Jeff talked about letting go of the past to embrace the future. And next week, Sean is going to be talking about repentance and forgiveness. And today, I have the pleasure to talk about authenticity. Authenticity and adopting authenticity has changed my life. Um, I lived fake for a very long time. I was one person on the inside and had a very different um, persona on the outside and had these expectations. I thought there was expectations of me to look, to dress, to act, to speak. Um, but inside, I just felt very, very fake. And, um, I, but I like people. I like people. They make a lot of sense to me. Always have liked people. I love asking questions. Many of you have been in that with me. I love asking questions. I love going deeper. I love understanding. And in general, people make a lot of sense to me. I worked retail for a long time. And I noticed a, a funny theme working retailers. I really love people. My coworkers, I would always hear them say, I hate people, I hate people. And they would be complaining, complaining. We've worked, lots of us have worked retail and have experienced that. And I would think two things. I would think, okay, one, why are you working retail if you don't like people? Like, we're here, it's a business. Like, your attitude towards them is losing or helping us make money. Like, there are other jobs. And the second thing I think is, how sad. How sad that they have not experienced intimacy and relationship where they can say, oh, I really like people. I've had good experiences with people. I have had authentic, authentic relationships with people. But that was me. I was a, I was a person who used to complain about people because for so long I was fake and didn't believe that authentic relationships were for me. And like most of us, I grew up with a skewed reality of, um, of the world. And I thought I had these two lies, many, but two in particular. Um, I thought I was too complicated to understand and I thought that I was not worth paying attention to. So very early on in life, I stopped sharing myself. I stopped being honest with people. Um, and I had ex- because I had experienced rejection, and so I held back from people. That's what we do when we've been hurt. We, we hold back. And that, cre- that further created this feeling of being fake. I, have to, I can have a feeling on the inside, but I can't really tell you what I'm feeling and thinking. Um, however, over the last four years, like I said, authentic, like choosing authenticity has really kind of helped me come alive in Christ, being authentic with the Lord and with other, with others. And one way I practice authenticity today is when I'm angry. I used to think anger was so bad. Anger's not bad. Anger's good. We all, we all experience anger. But I, so I, I said I'm a passionate person, and I have what I call a high injustice meter. So when something happens and I'm angry, I get going. Like, we, we can all experience this, right? I'm just like, I'm frustrated, I'm thinking, I need to speak, and I need someone I can go to. So I have this group of girlfriends, and I could call any of them, and I could show them all my cards. Here are all my rational thoughts. Here are all my irrational thoughts. They're all on the table. You know them all. Um, To be seen and to be heard and to be understood. Does anyone else get angry? No one said anything when I said that. The shame comes over me. 
Um, I need someone that I, I, I need people I can go to because I have learned there is nothing like being authentic with someone and have someone receive me and have someone understand me. It's worth it to me to show my angry cards. And then from there, I trust my friends. I rely on my friends to be honest with me and tell me what I'm not seeing, to tell me if I'm being prideful and selfish and not seeing things rightly, um, but also to kind of just join, join in with me with those feelings. And in those relationships, they're high-trust environments where we are honest, vulnerable, and accountable to one another. They're dynamic environments where I feel free to share myself, and that's what we need. As Christians, we're called to be authentic. We're called to be honest, vulnerable, and accountable with one another. It's what we need, and it's really what we crave. I think it's really what we crave. So the Lord is calling us to authenticity with him always. He's calling us to be honest, accountable, and vulnerable. You're going to hear me say those things a lot, so take notes. He's calling us to be honest, vulnerable, and accountable. He says, I see you. I know you. I enjoy you. I want you. It says, I love you no matter what. I accept you. We're going to be in Romans 15, 5 through 7. So if you have your phones or your Bibles, turn there with me. Um, It's a shorter passage. And in this section of the letter, it really reminds me a lot of Sean's message from two weeks ago. It's on humility. In the beginning of 15, um, begins where Paul's explaining how we live for one another. It's not about strong, weak. It's not about who has, who doesn't have. It's really all about how we're in community. We're supposed to share with one another. My have-nots are your haves. And where you have not, I have. That's, that's, it's the humility of coming together and, and being part of one another and accepting one another. <clears throat> so in verse 5, um, it says, may the God, So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God the Father. Uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. I'm going to read you the message version also. Speaks to me too. It says, May our dependably steady, warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you can get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us. Then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to God and Father of our Master Jesus. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. Now you do it. love how passionate and honest that is. It says, Jesus did it. Now you do it. In a, singing in a harmony, in a stunning anthem to God and Father of our Master Jesus. We're meant What this says is we're meant to receive the Lord's acceptance and care and pass it on. The same way that we are accepted and loved and known by God, we can pass along to one another. And I I have found that that's where refreshing relationships happen. So how do we live authentically? First, we receive our identity from Christ. That's first. If we don't allow the gospel to redefine our identity, we will be trapped in dysfunction and held back from authentic lives. I, in 2015, I left home to spend time at a Christian recovery center because I had been living most of my life in addiction to drugs, sex, and alcohol. And I was experiencing tremendous amount of disconnection from God and from other people. And I was being held back from authenticity because I was hurting and I was performing. Uh, But the most impactful thing I learned while I was away was the beauty of relationship. I want you to picture this with me. 
you get a fresh intake of men and women. There's 10 or 15 women and men that come in. Um, drug addicts, single moms struggling with alcoholism, people who have been using drugs for so long that they're mentally ill, um, trauma, eating disorders, the whole gamut of people that are really hurting, and you put them all in one house, and you sleep together, and you work together, and you eat together, and you do everything together. It's laughable, the amount of conflict that comes up. Like, laughable, and so intentional. But all of us throughout the year are just in tremendous amounts of conflict because we had been experiencing disconnection from God and from others. We all came in blaming and hurting and disconnected from people. So it was, I have so many stories I can't share, but it was very funny. Everyone's broke former, and the first 30 days are a trial period. So the evaluation, and they have been there developing trust with you. And at the end of that month, you go into an evaluation, and they have given you a scorecard that you need to fill out for yourself and rate yourself on a scale of five, and then they do it for you too. And so I walked into mine feeling very confident. I had done everything I was asked to do. Every time I was asked to clean a toilet, this, that, it's a work program where you're also in intensive counseling. And um, I had done everything I was asked to do. I really was pretty picture perfect. So I walked in there with no fears, no issues. Um, and they said, hey, you know, sit, take a seat. Um, what did you give yourself? They had already seen what I gave myself. And I had given myself all fives and a couple fours just so I didn't seem to like teacher's pet, too snobby, you know, because I didn't want to seem like I knew I was perfect, even though I known I knew I had done a great job. <laughs> and you know what's funny? They didn't congratulate me. They were concerned for me. What they said to me was, Elaine, we know your story. We know that you are here for a reason. We know that you've struggled significantly and you're desperate. What gives? Like, why are you holding this in? The last girl like me, um, six months into the program, had gone off the deep end and destroyed the basement because she had kept it together for so long. And they, they told me her story and said, when, like, when are you going to let it out? Like, when are you going to be honest with us? We know, we know why you're here. We can't help you if you're not honest with us. Um, and what's so beautiful about that, they, they said, will you trust me enough to let out the mess? And will you trust me to accept you? And they were communicating to me that I love you despite how you act and how you react and what you do. And that's, that was probably my first encounter with a human that said, I don't care what it looks like when you're messy, let it out. And that was an impactful time. So from there on, it just like let out the junk over and over and over. It's awesome. Uh, but that was humbling. I was living in the reality that what I did and how people saw me gave me value. Not who I am gives me value. Like who you are, who the Lord made you gives you value, period, end of discussion. That's what my parents would say at home when a conversation was over. It was period, end of discussion, <laughs> argument over. But it's Satan that twists and distorts our perception of the world and makes us put these guards up and it's hard to let the guards down in relationship because relationships are hard. They're just hard. Because of all of our wounds and all of our guards and all of our past issues, they're difficult. They're also beautiful. <laughs> they're also really beautiful. And I believe our deepest places of pain come from rejection. And Satan's primary goal is to discourage our relationships with God. Luke 10, 27 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If that is the greatest command, you better bet 
that Satan is going to do everything he can to destroy your connection with God and your connection with people. It's like, it's like the battleground is highlighted. You know exactly where he's going to strike, and yet we just, I don't think we fully understand and know. But that's where he's going to strike because that's what we need. Authentic connection with God and authentic connection with one another. And so the, the lies that I had noticed that I was believing was that it's unsafe to be honest. I needed to temper myself to be better accepted and that Lord loved me conditionally. So when I, that's what I went away to this program believing. And do you notice a common theme in those lies? What's the theme? They all impact relationship. Every single one of those is an attack on relationship and intimacy. So I had always had a hard time specifically getting along with women in my life, um, but all of my relationship issues came to a head with this girl, Liz. Um, Liz and I were roommates at the mansion. We were very different in some ways and like perfectly alike. We were alike in the ways that we were critical, judgmental, and perfectly polite. <clears throat> didn't get her, but I wanted to, and then she rejected because I didn't get her humor, and then... Um, we just rejected and were awful to one another. It was really terrible. And we spent 10 months living together in the same room in outright conflict. It was one of those relationships where you're fighting so bad and you're fighting about how to clean the bathroom mirrors. But it's not about the bathroom mirrors. But neither of you are strong enough or humble enough to acknowledge what you're actually fighting about, which is the rejection and the pain and the hurt. So you just keep fighting about the bathroom mirrors. Like, I wish I had a list of all the things we fought about that were not about what we fought about. Um, we just couldn't seem to get on the same page and understand one another. And neither of us was being honest or vulnerable because our relationship wasn't safe. We had proven to one another that our relationship was not safe because we were judgmental and critical. And then around the same time, we started to get wrecked by the love of God. And we started to get wrecked by Ephesians 2, 13. It's 13 through 22. It's not going to be up on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, but now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Not far off, but brought near. What if we didn't reject one another? What if, what if we were actually near to Christ? What if we were actually near to one another? He came and he preached peace. Jumping ahead, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Jumping ahead again, in him the whole building, everyone is joined together and rises to become the holy temple of God. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God's spirit, his spirit lives. Ah, Liz and I are not supposed to be in conflict with one another. We're supposed to be accepting and connected with one another so Holy Spirit can come and dwell and be in communion with us. And so as we both started to understand our new identity, and how much the Lord accepted us, these truths started to disarm us. And it's like little by little, the weapons could come off until this one conversation where, ah, oh, the humility in the room was so beautiful. And we reached this point where we weren't asking the other person to um, own their wrongs. And you just came and you said, here's how I wronged you. Liz, you came into the program, all the oxygen out of the room, and I rejected you for it. I'm so sorry. I needed to own that because I was not owning that. And then this poor girl is coming into the program already rejected by someone. That's not fair. That's not right. That was not love. And these things happen underneath the surface that I just don't think we understand. We don't realize. <clears throat> and we realized, too, that, funny enough, we were both feeling unaccepted, misunderstood, 
and less than the other person, which is exactly what we had felt like at times in our life growing up. We had triggered one another, majorly triggered one another. I had a cleaning at the dentist this past week, and there's a spot in my mouth that was really painful for a lot of years. And so she's doing my cleaning, and I'm sitting there like waiting for it to hurt. I'm like clenching up and kind of laughing at myself, just waiting for the pain to be over. And it's, she's ending the, the time where she's in that spot in my mouth, and it didn't hurt. And it ends, and there was no pain. You guys, three years ago, I had that tooth fixed. I had the decay that was getting close to my root cleaned out, filled, and healed. But that's what we do in relationship, isn't it? We've been hurt in the past, and we, ex- we expect this reaction from people. When, when the Lord heals us, we have an opportunity to, to react differently. But I was bracing I was bracing for this. So when Liz and I stopped ex, um, expecting the worst from one another and just really accepting one another, things started to change. And last week, Jeff said, you are not a product of the past. You are a product of the cross. And in the authenticity message, because until we get radically rocked by the love of God and our identity in Christ, we're not going to have communion with one another like he wants us to. Um, I have written here, because of Liz, I have a High amount of faith for our conflict and resolution, but it's like H-I-I-I-I-I-I-I. Because of Liz, I have a high amount of faith in conflict resolution. Because now we're friends. Like we're, and she knows me more than most people in this world, and I have experienced the grace of God. And we both have permission to talk about each other. <laughs> it was awful and so good. Our ability to accept and be authentic, to be authentic was directly related to our understanding of our acceptance in Christ and our ability to be authentic with him. Authentic relationships have three things in common. They're honest, they're vulnerable, and they're accountable to one another. The Lord is honest with us. Jesus said what he meant. I don't think there was ever a time when, no, I'm sure there wasn't a time when Jesus sat there and didn't say something for fear of others' opinions, or else he would have not said a lot of stuff. He offended people. He was honest with people. And Jesus also offered information. He never held back from us. In John 15, 15, it says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. He's like constantly wanting to give us information. He's not holding back. He's honest with us. I had a counselor who challenged me relentlessly to uh, reject this ideal Elaine image. I think we all have this who I need to be, who I ought to be, who I should be. Yes. Thank you for the nods. So good. And um, she challenged me to embrace my identity of, in the Lord first and then to embrace what I liked and how I felt about things and to communicate that to other people. But that was scary for me because I was a people pleaser and really thought that if you like it, like it too, because that would make you like me more and then we'd be better friends and then I'd have better value, right? And so I don't like country music. I don't like country music. And um, I was living in a dorm of girls who love country music. And now I grew, I started my undergrad degree um, in music. I can appreciate all music. All music is great. But if we're on a road trip and it's up to me, please don't, I just opt not to put on country music. Now my dear fiance loves country music. (laughs) And um, so for Christmas, I asked him to make me a CD of country songs that he loves. Because I want to like what he likes. Is that it? Angels and Cowboys? That, that one I like. The rest I could do without. <clears throat> and you know what? This is me being honest. And 
that exact example was hard for me a few, several years ago, a few years ago, to say that in front of people, um, especially because I'd already told them I liked it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but th- that is something I choose to do now. If I don't like something, I'll say it. It actually, I feel empowered when that comes up now and I have the opportunity to say no. I'd be like, oh, I can play this game. Like, I can be authentic. I know how to do this now. <laughs> be you. Be who you were created to be. There's only one you on the whole earth. So last week, I asked Brie Living Good. Um, I said, hey, Brie, how you doing? She responded with one word. She said, terrible. And in that, she had spent the whole day with a bunch of crazy things, being the superwoman that she is. And she, in that moment, could have said, I'm great, or I'm fine, uh, I had a better day. But she was honest with me. And in that moment, I was refreshed. There was no expectation beyond that word, beyond a hug at that point in time. But I was refreshed by you. And I guarantee that you were refreshed by being honest. Yes? Yeah. Can we do that with one another? Oh, please tell me yes. <laughs> we can do we can do that with one another. Auth- Brie is honest. Authenticity is honest. I'm not telling you to bear your soul to everyone. Like there's you know, but do you have those people that know you and that you can just be like, today sucked. Like today was really terrible. Authenticity is vulnerable. For vulnerability to happen, your desire for connection has to be greater than your fear of disconnection. For so long, I couldn't be vulnerable because I was so afraid to be disconnected from people because of being rejected. But for vulnerability to happen, your fear of disconnection has to be less than your desire for connection. Did I say that right? For vulnerability to happen, your desire for honest connection must be greater than your fear of disconnection. And you know what? I, when I realized I was accepted by God, it almost like I felt this, uh, you know, when you go to a theme park and you this confidence boost inside because I was accepted by God. Therefore, the fear of rejection from other people was turned down. The volume was turned down quite a bit because if I went to them with something and they rejected me, I was still accepted by God. Like, I still had a foundation to stand on, and so relationships became less scary. And before the Lord was crucified, he offered himself. Vulnerability, authenticity is offering yourself to someone. Jesus shared his pain, and then he asked his disciples to pray for him. In Luke 22, it says, Jesus is saying, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell He fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. And not as I will, but as you will. Humility. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked. He's honest. He was honest about his pain and then he kept them accountable, you guys. He he spoke what he was thinking. How often do we not say what we're thinking? And again, I'm not saying like spew every thought, but how, how often... Would it, re- like, release us to be honest about what we're thinking? I love it when people come to me and tell me I've hurt them. I love it. And here's why. I love being a safe space for someone to come and tell me I've hurt them. I used to be so afraid of doing that. But now that I've, had, I've learned a rhythm of listening, wanting to understand, sharing so that they can understand me too, and reconciling, I, I, it's an honor. It's an honor when someone comes and tells me that I've hurt them because I'm going to hurt people. 
we're gonna, it's like, we're just gonna hurt people. Like we can't, I, there's no fantasy world that exists. I thought I lived in, I did live in fantasy world. The thought not hurting, I was feeling, can I understand you? Can, can you, can we understand one another? Because understanding one another breaks all, breaks so many walls down. I love it when people come and tell me I've, I don't like hurting people, obviously, but I'm going to hurt people. It's what we're going to do. It's just what will we do with it? We reconcile. My sweetest relationships are the ones where we've successfully worked through hurts because connection is worth the fear of rejection. Vulnerability is worth it. It is so worth it. Conflict is so hard. It's so hard. If, there, if there's one thing I could tell you is hardest for me in my life, it's um, being in conflict with someone because I hate the feeling of disconnection. I hate it. And I live like that for so long. And I don't want to live like that. So I've, I feel like there's been triumphs and triumphs in my life. But even conflict with family, with friends, it, it's like it what rattles me the most is disconnection. <clears throat> And lastly, authenticity is accountable. People are a key part of God's plan for us. And it begins with God and it gets worked out with one another. Hair in my mouth, authenticity. <clears throat> and it's, this, it's a cycle. You know, it's, we, we go to God and we get healed by God by knowing our identity. And then we step into relationships with people. It's not necessarily one or the other. It's, it's really a, it's a cycle. And Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. It's Jesus. It's both. It's not one or the other. And I rely on Jesus and my friends for perspective I don't see. Those phone calls I mentioned in the beginning, I rely on my friends to tell me what I'm not seeing. And I have relationships where trust has been built so high that someone, my friend can't say to me, she has said to me, I think you're being prideful here. Like, you really need to consider the, the rest of the situation. Or someone that's been like, wow, like, no, you're right. Like, this, this injustice you're feeling is absolutely on, on par to encourage me in that. Um, Seth and I were away at a conference last weekend, and we're driving home. And I'm driving, and these cars keep coming up behind me, like, one after the other. Like, one, two, three. And I told you, sometimes I get angry. The second, third, I'm like, what is your problem? Like, move over and pass me. And then the fourth car comes and does it again up very close to me. And then I'm just, I just stay there. I don't do anything. Seth is like, babe, you're doing great. Awesome. You know how to love me. <laughs> and, um, and then the Lord says, Elaine, you're in the passing lane. I was in the passing lane. It wasn't their issue. It was my issue. I needed to move over. That was the Lord keeping me accountable. And when I moved over, the car stopped coming up too close to me because I wasn't in the passing lane. It's like. And when that happened, I thought to myself, I'm definitely putting that in the message because that was accountability. That was the Lord's correction. And um, in Luke 8, uh, an example of Jesus' correction in Luke 8, there's a big storm that comes up, and the disciples come down to Jesus and say, We're going to die. They're saying to Jesus, we're going to die. Don't you, like, we're going to drown. You're going to drown. Given everything they had seen, that they think that, like, the Lord is going to, like, die. I'm like, I probably would respond that way. But still, like, and he says to them, where's your faith? Guys, like, step up. Where's your faith here? I'm going, really? 
Exclamation point, question mark. When it comes to correction, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's really hard. And next week, Sean is going to be talking about forgiveness and reconciliation. And so I just, I just want to stress again, I know, said it before, I want to say it again, relationships are hard. They're messy and they, they get offensive. But that's where we have reconciliation and forgiveness. And I'm going to leave that to Sean on, on, on that message, but there's just such hope. And I would rather have a friend who is honest with me, who I know what they're thinking, and who hurts my feelings, stands on that, but I would way prefer someone who hurts me sometimes, and I know what they're thinking. There are people in this room, like, that's, I feel about, about you. Not that you hurt me. Well, no, yes, okay, no, sometimes I am hurt. Thank you, Lord. Isn't that so funny? We, like, get offended at hurting one another. Ah, shake it off. Um, but there are people in this room who are honest, and it's refreshing. Um, and accountability is encouraging. This man that I'm about to marry, I love him so much. He's not in the room right now. But he encourages me, you guys. I, um, so I had shared that I grew up thinking that I was uh, too um, difficult to understand. I was too complicated. And I, we were in the car, and I, was, I must have been saying something like, babe, this probably doesn't make sense, but... Or, does that make sense? And he stopped and he turned to me and he said, you make complete sense to me. You may think you're complicated. Your family, your friends might have thought that you're complicated and said that you're complicated. You're simple to me. What you feel makes sense to me. The way you process makes sense to me. What you think and what you say makes sense to me. I just think you're simple. I don't think, honestly, Elaine, I don't think you're complicated at all. (laughs) And I was like, I'm marrying you. <laughs> Three months into our relationship. <laughs> that was really one of the first times I thought to myself, I think I could marry this man. I tucked it in my pocket, didn't show him my cards at that point. But that, I feel like that's what the Lord says to me. He says, you are not a messy, complicated, broken person. You're my child. You're simple. And I love you. You're not a complicated preteen. You're actually a two-year-old. Amen. I'm simple, and you know what's funny, too, is I do think quite a bit, and he's simpler than I am, praise Jesus. And I do overthink things sometimes, and he can tell me when I am. Amen. Um, What was I saying? Oh, because I know I make sense to him, and I'm not complicated to him, I actually talk better. Like, there's, I feel less insecure. So for, for too long, I lived afraid of what others thought about me. I was unable to be honest. I was afraid to be honest, thinking that I was not going to find real connection, holding back from vulnerability, and living without close friends that practice humility to encourage and challenge one another. I was not accountable. But that changed, and it's beautiful, you guys, and that is what we're called to as Christians. We are called to be honest, authentic, and accountable, it's what we need. It's what we crave. It's what the Lord asks us to do. And it's not just a commandment, you guys. It's a gift. Authentic relationship where you are accepted and you are known and it's hard and then you get over it. You, by that I mean you forgive, you talk about it, you connect. It's worth it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like It's a relationship high. I, as an addict, I, I'm, not play, I'm not even using a play on words there, but it is a high. It feels good to me. Like, that's the good connection that I think I was trying to chase with drugs and alcohol, is connection with people. We were made for relationships. 
And what I meant by it, it, earlier I said it's cyclical. It's like we get healing from God, and then we can better and be relationship with people. And then someone in relationship will love you, and you'll turn around to God and you'll say, they just love me like that. Is that how you love me? It is? That's how you love me? You, I'm simple to you? Yes. And then you come back to God and you have more healing and the relationships are a little bit easier. And it's a cycle. The Lord accepts you. He accepts me. And others accept me. And you are accepted. That concept changed my life. As Christians, we are called to be authentic. It's a gift, you guys. It's so good. It's so good to be known. It's so good to get to be yourself and not have to perform. It's so good to come outside of the box that you think you're supposed to be and be yourself. It's like, it's good. I forgot a video. Can we play the video? Um, this video is of a little girl hearing for the first time. It's been viral, so probably you've seen it, but enjoy it. I can keep talking until you have it. It's in the, um, the email that I sent earlier. I'm going to read Tim Keller's quote in the meantime. He says, to be loved and not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness. And it fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. This is not just a command. It's a gift. Authenticity is a gift. Yay. What's going on? Baby sister. So she's just gotten a hearing aid. Baby sister. Baby sister. It's good. Thank you. Awesome. Sometimes we're deaf to authentic relationships. I was deaf to authentic relationships. And then the Lord, it's like he opened my ears and good people around me opened my ears. And when I could experience being known and being loved, like Tim Keller said, that's how I felt. I felt this like bubbling up of like, it's a, it's a good feeling. It's connection and it's what we're made for with the Lord and with one another. I love that video. Can the band come up? Thanks. As the band's going to play, I invite you to rest in your acceptance. If you have, if the Lord has prompted something in you and you want to come forward and respond, do it. The front is always, always available. If you want someone to pray with you and sit, open your hands, and meditate on how accepted you are. Because that's where it starts, is how accepted and known and forgive, forgiven you are. Romans 15, 7, it says, accept one another then, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Christopher will close us out after we have worshiped a little bit, um, but I'm going to pray for us. 
God, I thank you for the identity of everyone in this room and in the ways that you have made us different and beautiful. In the ways that you have made us to coexist. You did not make us to be in conflict with one another. You made us to understand and unite with one another. And Satan, I just call you back. (laughs) I kick you in the face and say the disconnection between God and others is just, you're just not welcome. Lord, would you reveal to us where there's disconnection between you and others so that that can change and shift? Lord, you, your love is like a faucet. It just pours and never stops. And it changes us. God, we thank you for your acceptance. Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross that made acceptance possible. Jesus, you're the key. And we love you and we rest in that.